0: don't come alongside of God to partner with Him in living the Christian life. Technically, we don't work with God. God does His work in and through us based upon surrender and yielding
1: Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Loretz. Good to be with you again. Well, as Crawford just said, God does His work in us and through us. But how? Well, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's been our topic for the past few weeks, the role of the Holy Spirit. Crawford is leading us through a series called Supernatural. And so far we've learned just who the Holy Spirit is, the works of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's role in salvation, and today what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And by the way, we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit in the Scripture passage we'll be looking at in a few moments, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Well, if you're new to us, Crawford spent many years with Campus Crusade for Christ, today known as CRU. His mentor was CRU founder Bill Bright. Crawford has authored several books and recently retired as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. He now heads an organization called Beyond Our Generation, which mentors those in ministry leadership. Now, if you've not been with us for previous messages in this series, you can easily get caught up on our website or other streaming services. Well, let's get to today's message on the filling of the Holy Spirit. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy.
0: Those of us who are followers of Jesus are to live a supernatural lifestyle. I'm reminding us each time that this is the ERA, E-R-A, of the Holy Spirit. From the day day of Pentecost, from the time that Jesus ascended into heaven until he comes back for us, we are living in the era of the Holy Spirit. The import of that is that this is the season, this is the time in human history in terms of God's redemptive, redemptive program where every follower of Jesus Christ is to be controlled and dominated by the ministry of the Spirit of God. It's not some theoretical thing, but every follower of Jesus, everyone that names the name of Christ, is to be controlled and dominated by the work and ministry of the Spirit of God. We're gonna see that in a few moments. That It is not passive, but it is intentional. Last week, I talked about how the Holy Spirit is related to salvation. Just how does he relate to us coming to know Christ? And it really sets up to uh, where we're going today. I made the observation that the Holy Spirit, uh, primarily, he, he draws us. You know, no, no one comes to the Father on their own. We don't come to Christ on our own. We think we do, we think we made that decision. But if you look in the rearview mirror, you can see that you were really, we were really delightfully hemmed in, so to speak. There's something to this. So the first work is to draw us. The second work of the Spirit of God is to convict us. Not just to convince us intellectually, but really convict us to make us well, feel guilty because we were guilty. And you got to that point where you couldn't blow off the stuff that you were doing and things that you were thinking about. And, and, and you had this kind of like weird, delightful mixture of guilt and curiosity. What is this really all about? And you came to that point that, you know, this is true. And you surrendered to Christ. Where I left off this last week is a segue to this week, though. At the moment of salvation, what happened? That moment when we said yes to Jesus, well, the Holy Spirit came into our lives. He indwells us. Well, I went to Ephesians chapter chapter one and talked about the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the sealing of the Spirit. Well, that implies a number of things. It implies ownership, but a completed transaction. And here's, here's what I want us to get a hold of today. Here's what I want us to understand. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. What I'm, what I'm gonna share with you today, and this is not an exaggeration, I mean this with all my heart, and I don't, I don't blow smoke like this, okay, so hear me. What I'm sharing with you today, if you would push me out of all these years, 50 years now I've been preaching, I would say to you that what I'm sharing with you, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the most important message and emphasis in the Christian life, bar none. And, and the reason why I say that, and I think you'll see it later on, is because we were born for the Holy Spirit's activity. Now, He, he indwells us. He lives inside of us. Now, I need to make a statement here. W- when I say that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, all of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. You say, well, how in the world could that be? I mean, how, you know, there's seven, plus big Well, and people. And how can all the Holy Spirit live inside of us? The first message that I gave, remember I said that the Holy Spirit is God. He has all the deity of the Trinity. And one of the, one, of the, one of the attributes of the Trinity is that he's, now hear me, he's omnipresent. It doesn't mean a little bit of him is spread out thin everywhere. No, it means all of God, all of God, all of God, all of God is present everywhere at the same time. So all, and this, this blows my mind, when we say that we're indwelt by the Spirit of God, all of Him is living inside of us. All of Him is living inside of us. And there's a reason for that, and that is because we're to live supernatural lives. And today I wanna to talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit. Now. You ever felt spiritually parched? You ever felt like my Christianity is lifeless? Well, there's a little bit of life and excitement about it, but by and large, there's dryness there. Have you lost your joy? I, I, I don't mean that you know you're occasionally happy about stuff. But, but does joy characterize your relationship with Christ? Does joy characterize your life? Would people say they hung with you over time that you are a joyful person? Are you frustrated and discouraged? Now I know we, we all get discouraged from time to time, I do. I heard some news the other day that I didn't like and bottled me out there for a little bit. Uh, we all get discouraged from time to time, but are uh, you yeah. Frustrated? Is there underneath the surface, is there this negative, dark haze? You just, things are not working for you. Too many Christians live like that. Oh, what about this? Do you feel like you know more than you experience? Now, in a certain sense, we all do. We all know more than we experience in a certain sense. But does this typify you um, that, 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 you know, you know all this Bible, you got all this content, you've been exposed to all of this, and yet somehow or another, it's not making that much of a difference in your life. You know, you can quote it, you can small group it, mid-sized group it, missionary trip it. You know, you, you you do all this stuff. You can fellowship institute it, and all of this stuff. You you go to these places, and you know, and you keep getting this stuff in you, but somehow, or another there's like a gap. It's not. Uh, oh, what about sin in your life? Again, you you know me. I, I the, I'm not talking about some sinless perfection here. But you've been struggling with this stuff for years, man. You've been, you've been. This thing is just like in you. It's become normative to you. You confess it to the Lord, and you do it again. You confess it to the Lord, and you do it again. You confess it. The is there? There seems to be the lack of to use an old word, victory, overcoming. We need to be filled, controlled. By the Holy Spirit And all that I just said to you, are, 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 are products of living the Christian life in my own energy and in my own strength, based upon my own competencies and all of this stuff, and it just doesn't work. We don't come alongside of God to partner with Him in living the Christian life. We don't work for God. Technically, we don't work with God. God does his work in and through us based upon surrender and yieldedness. And it just doesn't work when we try to do it together. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean? I'm gonna give you a brief definition and then the rest of the, the message, I'm gonna unpack that by answering four just critical questions. To be filled with the Spirit is to be energized and controlled by the third person of the Godhead. Now, marinating that for a second. To be filled with the Spirit is to be energized and controlled by the third person of the Godhead. It is the issue of control. It's not that we get any more of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, listen to me. You're not going to get any more of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get any more of the Holy Spirit Despite how, how we have confused people, those of us who preach and teach, are not going to get any more of the Holy Spirit. When we were indwelt and sealed by Him, it was a finished transaction. We get no more of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit has to do, has to do with standing back out of the Holy Spirit's way and allowing Him to energize and control and to empower us. That's what the filling of the Spirit is all about. It's not getting more, it's about him getting more of us. It's our yieldedness, our yieldedness to him. Now, the filling of the Spirit is essential for two big reasons, two huge reasons. This control, this energizing, this power, it's essential for these two huge reasons. Number one is this, it is essential for maturity. For maturity, First Corinthians chapter, chapter three, verses one through three, uh, the apostle Paul talks about the carnal excursion that these Corinthians had been on, that, that they were living the Christian life in their own energy and in their own flesh. And, and, and in so doing, he said, you, you guys have put a ceiling. You're just kind of like stuck in immaturity. You act like babies. It's all fleshly. The broader context there, he's contrasting that to the work of the spirit of God who accelerates our maturity you cannot be you cannot be you cannot be a mature Christian if we're not consistently filled with the Spirit of God you can know all the Bible you want to you can go to every conference in the world you can figure out all the steps to solve all the problems that you have you can read all the books all you want to unless there's a consistent control of the Spirit of God there's no such thing as authentic Christian maturity None whatsoever. And I say that strongly because somehow, sometimes, what the devil does is that he confuses us. He thinks that if we can go to this conference, go to... This, now don't get me wrong, information is wonderful. The word of God is powerful. But apart from a yielded heart, it means nothing. You become a Bible brain and a Pharisee. The second reason why it is essential for, it's essential for our service. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. I started to do this when I went on a different trek. You can go through the book of Acts and just trace down, as Luke does, how the Spirit of God at strategic moments propelled the church to serve. Acts 4, 31, when they came back, Peter and John had been locked up and they came back and reported to the church and they prayed for more boldness. The Spirit of God came on them, filled them, and they spoke the word with boldness. If we want power in our service, we want impact in our service, we want God to use us in our community we want God to use us on our jobs. We want God to use us in our schools. We want God to use us in our families. The key to all of that is the control of the Spirit of the living God. Yes, information is wonderful, all this stuff, how to is great, motivation, fantastic. But the key to being used of God is the filling of the Spirit of God. Now, four questions. Question number one, why does it matter? Why does the filling of the Spirit matter? Why does the control of the Spirit matter? Why does it matter? Well, it's based upon a promise. And I'm going to read this text over here in John chapter 7, where Jesus is actually prophesying the coming of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and he stands up and he speaks at the end of the great feast and he makes this declaration. He says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart or innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39 says, now this he said about the spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Here's a point that he's making. He said, look, if you come to me out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And that's the reason why he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until the promise of the Father has been your experience. This whole picture of living water, number one, implies implies satisfaction. You were born to be satisfied with me. And the only real time that we will know the satisfaction of our great God, the intimacy of our great God in sweet, wonderful ways is when we yield to the filling and control of the spirit of God. Personal satisfaction, but also water is a picture of life. You remember I've been saying this each time, that the Spirit of God represents life, whether it's creation and regeneration and the inauguration of the church and all of that stuff. He represents life inside of us. And when he controls us, we experience literally the supernatural life of the third person of the Trinity, of the Godhead. There cannot be death wherever there's a spirit. There can't be spiritual death wherever there is a spirit. There can't be spiritual lethargy wherever there is a spirit. There cannot be carnality wherever there is a spirit. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And just as water satisfies thirst and produces fruitfulness, so the spirit of God satisfies the inner person and enables us to bear fruit. To bear fruit. We're not satisfied. And God's work is not advanced through us apart from the filling of the holy spirit you need spirit-filled people to give leadership to this church you need spirit-filled you need to be spirit-filled yourself to give leadership to your family you need to be spirit-filled the work of god does not advance significantly through carnal creatures and just because you can gather a crowd does not necessarily mean that the Holy Spirit is present. Just because people are excited about what you said does not necessarily mean that that's a sign of the Spirit's presence. The sign of the Spirit's presence issues in transformation and Christ-likeness and holiness and all these other wonderful things. And so that's why it matters. Secondly, what does the filling do? Well, in other words, what's the nature of What's the nature of the filling of the Spirit? Paul said it succinctly in one clear verse, and I have I've, I've, through the years have often repeated this verse, but I'm gonna come back to it. He said it very clearly, very succinctly in one verse. So crisp, but it's packed with implications. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be being filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be being filled with the Spirit. Now in, in this, he is giving us the, the, the nature or the texture of what it really means to be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. Three quick observations. Number one, it's a command. It's a command, it's not a suggestion. It is not a suggestion, it is a command. Paul, under apostolic authority, picked up his pen and he wrote to the church at Ephesus and he says, under apostolic authority, be not drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. He didn't say, I'm, I'm giving you a suggestion. No, he said, I'm making a statement and I'm putting it in the imperative mood. It is a command. So to be filled with the, uh, with the Spirit is a command to be obeyed. Any believer that is not filled with the Spirit of God, any believer who's not under the control of the Holy Spirit is living in sinful disobedience to God. You know, I could, I could sort of like nuance it and say it in very indirect ways, but that is the upshot of what he's saying here. If we're not controlled by the Holy Spirit, we're controlled by ourselves. And there's never a time in a believer's life where it's okay to live a self-centered, self-directed life. We're living in the era of the Holy Spirit. The reason why the Spirit of God permanently indwells us is so that we will submit to him. And Paul says, hey, 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 Crawford, this ain't up to you. It's a command to be obeyed. Secondly, it is controlling. It is to be experienced. And be not drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. That's borne out by the analogy. And be not drunk with wine, that's dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't be intoxicated with wine, but be intoxicated with or in the Holy Spirit. Now I know that nobody in here has ever done this, but you know, you know, you you you've known of people who've been drunk. You've known of them. Y'all, y'all haven't. Nobody's here done that, but, um, and, and you know what it does. And I, th- and I think this is what Paul is saying: is that, look, when when you come, you, you, you get you get really. You know what that expression means? (laughs) Wasted. Three sheets to the wind. Or whatever those things are. You you, you go down that path. You you, you don't remember, many don't remember. I had never had this experience. uh, Some don't remember what in the world happened to them. Well, he's not talking about, he's not talking about being being uh, um, uh, uh, that far out of control necessarily. But what he is saying is this, I want you to be brought under the influence of the Holy Spirit, delightfully intoxicated with the one who glorifies Christ and leads us in all truth. The one who can change your character, change your behavior, change your demeanor, change how you think, change how you respond. I want that to be the control in your life. No, you don't have to be an ugly person. No, you don't have to be a mean person. No, you don't have to be a discouraged person. No, you don't have to be a frustrated person. There is supernatural life flowing in this body. And the third thing that he says here, it's a command, it is controlling, but it also is continuous. And be not drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. It's in the present tense. And the command says you got to obey this. The idea of controlling means you need to experience this. But the idea of it being continuous says I need to rely on him. Moment by moment. That the filling of the Spirit is fragile and it is conditional. You, you, just because you were filled yesterday, just because something happened to you last month, just because you can give me five incredible experiences that you've had in your Christian life that did something extraordinary to you, doesn't mean that that's efficacious for the day or that it happens right now. And what Paul is saying by putting this in the present tense is that, look, look, Crawford, every moment of every day, you've got to press into the control of the Spirit of God. It's conditional. That leads us to the third question. Well, how can you tell? How can you tell one has been controlled or filled with the Spirit of God?
1: Well, that looks like a good place to stop for today's program. That was Crawford Loretz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. Now, so far we've looked at why it matters to be filled with the Holy Spirit and what's the nature of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we'll pick it up next week with the question Crawford just asked. How can you tell if someone is filled with the Spirit of God? We're in a series called Supernatural, learning about the third person of the Trinity. The overarching lesson so far is that we need to pay far more attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and yield to His influence. Well, we hope this series has been helpful, and if so, take a moment to write to us at legacy at Moody.edu. And if you've just joined us for the series and would like to hear former messages, visit our website, livingalegacy.org. Look for past programs. Thanks so much for joining us today. Living a Legacy is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.